Previously heard on Good Hope FM. Uh, the wives of El Chapo's lieutenants reveal they live in fear after their husbands agreed to testify against their former boss. We spoke to them last week and we had to fiddle with their voices to um, create some kind of uh, anonymity around uh, them, their voices, their personalities. This is part one. Wives of El Chapo's U.S. drug trafficking lieutenants reveal they live in fear after their husbands agree to testify against their former boss. Cartel Wives, a true story of deadly decisions, steadfast love, and bringing down El Chapo. We're joined now by Mia Flores and Olivia Flores. Ladies, first up, how do you live a normal life? How do you sleep at night? Well, it's, it's it's really hard. I mean, it's not easy. We were being hunted constantly by the cartel. You know, Chapo's a very powerful man. He's like the biggest narco-terrorist in the world. So we live in fear, and fear is like a curse. We're constantly paranoid. We're constantly looking out our window. You know, I don't feel like we're ever going to be able to live normal lives because he's such a powerful man, and he'll he, he's not going to stop, you know, to try to find us because our husbands cooperated against him. And, um, you know... They're, they're the reason why he is in a U.S. you know in the U.S. prison today. They're they're the top they're the top witnesses in the in the case. So it's really scary for us. Me and Mia are terrified, and we're going to live like this for the rest of our lives. Mia Flores and Olivia Flores. They've written a book called Cartel Wives: A True Story of Deadly Decisions, Steadfast Love, and Bringing Down El Chapo. You said you were hunted. How were you hunted? How do you know you were hunted, Mia? Well, there is um, many times that um, we had to hire private investigators um, just so they can um, make sure that we're not being um, tracked. Um, we sit here and we change up our phones every day. We don't use the same emails. Um, we don't travel as much. I mean, we're always on, you know, we're always on uh, living under the radar. We're never, you know, out in the open. We can't have, you know, friends like, you know, normal people do. We can't trust anyone. And the only people we could trust is each other. And, you know, that's why we wrote this book. And, you know, you'll see when you read this book that, you know, Olivia and I, we live with this secret and we've been living with this secret for many, many years. And, you know, it's hard for us to, you know, live a normal life, especially with children. And, you know, I, we're going to be living like this for the rest of our life. The scenario where there was a private investigator at one point, this was early on in the case, sitting in front of my house. And they, the cartels, they hire these private investigators as well. And so they actually found me and I had to be removed from my home by the government. And I was put in a hotel for six months to live with my small children. So it was the most terrifying thing that I ever had to experience. And this is how powerful that these men are, and they're not going to stop. Olivia, how do the kids survive? How do you look after the kids? How do they live a normal life? Um, you know, we keep our children protected like any mother would. We keep our children in a bubble. They have no idea. You know, my, my children don't even know their father's real name. So it's kind of like I have to keep that a secret because they're too young for them to understand. I know once they get older, we're going to have a lot of explaining to do. But as a mother, we're protectors. And, you know, my children, you know, it's hard because we've been moved around. We've been shuffled around the country. And because the government's always trying to keep us protected. And so it's really hard because we have to start all over. They have to start in new schools. We have to find new doctors. 
So it's been really hard on them, but, you know, I keep, you know, I'm very close to our children, me and I both are, and we just love them and we try to bring them normalcy. I mean, our husbands, the reason why they wanted to change this life is because they were born into this drug cycle. And their father, you know, he worked with the cartels and he trafficked drugs from Mexico. So when they were here in, in the United States at such a young age, at seven years old, they were fishing out drugs out of their father's gas tank that he had smuggled across the border. So it's like this is what they this is what they learned. This is all that they knew. So growing up, you know, he he bred them to be the biggest you know drug traffickers in U.S. history. And so when we were living in Mexico, we were living this crazy life. We felt like our life was this roller coaster ride. In our book, you could see. Everything that we went through, it almost feels like we're, that you're like you're in a movie when you're reading our stories because there's like kidnappings and murders and there's so much happening to us that there was a time that we just all realized this is not what we wanted for our children. Me and I found out that we were both pregnant at the same time and our husbands wanted a different life for our children. So they decided that they wanted to cooperate against Chapel and they wanted to help dismantle what they helped build. And so that's how we came back to the United States because we wanted to do this for our children because, you know, we, we, me and I grew up in a, in a family of law enforcement. We didn't grow up, you know, to, to be, to be, to be married to these, you know, drug traffickers, but we fell in love with these men and we came from great homes. We were very, we came from loving families that were, we were very family oriented. And so we, you know, we just wanted to give our children today what we had when we were growing up, and that's, you know, family and simplicity and love. So that's why we're here in the United States. Cartel Wives, a true story of deadly decisions, steadfast love, and bringing down El Chapo. It's a book written by Olivia Flores and Mia Flores. Mia, how did El Chapo recruit your husbands? How did he find them? There was a situation when our husbands were, you know, they were in Mexico, and, and um, you know, my brother-in-law, Peter, he got kidnapped. And so when he got kidnapped, my husband, he got on a plane and he went to go to Culiacan, Sinaloa, and he tried to, you know, pay his way to meet Chapel. And that in itself was, you know, that was the hardest thing that he had to do because, you know, you can't just get to Chapel. So finally, um, Chapel did decide to take on that meeting, and my husband had to negotiate my brother-in-law's, you know, his release. And that wasn't an easy thing because he, when he went up to the mountaintop to actually meet him in person, Chapel himself told him, listen, you know, there's people that come up to this mountaintop and they never go back. I can kill you and your brother right now. So because my husband came with these ledgers that my brother-in-law kept, which were, it was the accounting of their whole business, it showed that they didn't owe him a debt because it was a misunderstanding that they owed him money. So when he was able to prove that he made the payments, that's when, you know, Chapel released my brother-in-law. At that point, you know, my brother-in-law came home. They went back to the mountaintop to meet him, and they told him, listen, we want to work directly with you. We don't want anyone in the middle because my brother-in-law is like, I'm not going to put my life, you know, in the hands of somebody else's mistake. So I need to work directly with you. And that's how the relationship got started. When they started working directly with Chapel, our lives completely changed. We lived in Guadalajara, which was probably the most prestigious neighborhood that you can probably live in. I mean, in Guadalajara, you have your doctor, your lawyer, your cartel, you know, tr drug trafficker, and it was just normal. And we lived this luxurious life. Our life just changed from one day to the next, and we started having all these people around us, these bodyguards, these, 
you know, armored SUVs, and our, it was crazy for us, and life was just moving so fast, and, you know, it, it just it never stopped. And some people, you know, you get addicted to this lifestyle. You, you look at the luxuries, and you look at the money, and you, don't, you start to forget what's important in life. And me and I, we just started getting numb to this lifestyle, and we started thinking that this was our normalcy. And it was not. So, you know, it's like you can never take your family for granted. You have to stay grounded and realize what's important in life. Part two of Mia and Olivia Flores. They've written a book about their husbands who worked for El Chapo. He's a drug lord. He's a drug kingpin. And they gave information to the U.S. government. Did you guys ever meet El Chapo? Um, we never met El Chapo directly, but we met, you know, his associates were always around us. They were always checking on us just because our husbands were, you know, they were one of his biggest assets. So he always made sure that they were safe. He always made sure we were okay. There was a time when me and I got kidnapped. We were um, in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we ended up getting kidnapped with our husbands. And that was kind of the turning point. This is when we realized, you know, this, this life wasn't for us no more. But, you know, Chapel, he made some phone calls. He called, you know, the, I mean, the government over there is so corrupt. I mean, even me and I, we would see them just paying off government officials all the time, you know, federalities, and it was crazy. And so he paid for, for, you know, I mean, he negotiated our husbands to be released, and, of course, we were all released at that point. So, I mean, he was a very powerful man. He even told our husbands, you know, you have nothing to worry about. The United States is not going to ever come grab you because I get first word of everything, and nothing's going to happen to you. So, and I truly believe that. I truly believe that, you know, he was never going to allow anything to happen to them, but this was not the life that we wanted to continue to live. Did you guys see any murders, any kidnapping, any drugs, any, any, any money in the house? Well, yeah, we had money stacked to the ceiling. I mean, there was so much money. It was like it wasn't even a big deal at, at, at one point. You know, money, our, even the U.S., you know, the prosecutor said our husbands, they ran their, their business like a Fortune 500 company. As far as me and I, we never, you know, seen drugs or anything because our husbands, they had like 50 cell phones. They were constantly on the phone working. I mean, they could have been legitimate businessmen. They were intelligent men. You know, they ran their business. There was, you know, no type of flaws whatsoever. And so, you know, they had this system in place. You know, they worked. It's, it's, it's ironic that they worked at McDonald's at the young age of 16, and they ran their business like that. They just... It, they implemented that system. You know, they had their drug couriers. They had their, you know, their their money counters. And, and these men, they never crossed paths. And, you know, the men that they hired that worked for them, you know, they were always dressed up business casual with their button-down shirts. And, you know, you would not tell that these men are actually moving drugs around the country. I mean, you could, we had, you know, stash houses in Calabasas, California, right by the Kardashians. We had stash houses right by Oprah Winfrey's, you know, studio in Chicago that were in these, you know, prestigious neighborhoods, and nobody can tell exactly what they were doing. But as far as, like, the kidnappings, you know, my brother-in-law, he was kidnapped twice. Me and I were kidnapped at one point. You know, my father was kid- my father-in-law was kidnapped. And so, you know, even my father-in-law today, he left and went back to Mexico because he had another family back there. And when he left, he never came back. And so this is the hardest thing that, you know, our husbands, you know, all four of us had to live with because, you know, it's devastating to lose a family member and to know that you're the reason why. And, you know, it's crazy because we live our life as a consequence for all the, you know, the bad decisions that we ever made in life. And for us to live like this, you know, it's something that, 
it's hurtful, but we had to do it because we try to take something so wrong and we try to make it right. So it's something ultimately that we had to do and we're going to have to live like this for the rest of our lives. How are your husbands coping in prison? How are you coping? How are you putting food on the table? How are you feeding the kids? You know, me and I, we came back to the U.S. and, you know, it was it was hard for us. It was an adjustment for us because we were so used to everything being so easy. And we came back, you know, we put ourselves through school. We work. We're normal moms. We're PTA moms. We're soccer moms. You know, if you saw me and I in the street, you'd never know who we were. We lived, like Mia said, this big secret, and we're constantly hiding, and we play this role, and we're just trying to make it for our children. We're trying to be good role models for our children. We're trying to, you know, show our children a different kind of life. Thank God when their fathers were, you know, drug trafficking in Mexico, thank God that they, you know, they weren't exposed to that, and they were too young to know this. So, you know, we're just trying to make it and be great moms, be good wives, and it's really hard not living with our husbands. You know, we miss our husbands dearly. Our husbands, when we were home, you know, when they were home, they were good men to us. If not, we wouldn't be here. So, you know, they were good men to us. You know, they were faithful to us. They didn't treat us like all the other cartel wives in Mexico where they're being treated like doormats. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, these men have different wives. They have different, you know, children all over the place. Like, that's not who our husbands were. Our husbands weren't violent men, and they treated us like queens. And so we respect them, and we'll be here, you know, waiting for them as long as it takes. But, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking because everybody, you know, wants to raise their children, you know, with mom and dad. And this is the reason why we all decided to change this, just so we can give our children a normal childhood. And it's ironic that, you know, it, it doesn't seem like that's going to be, you know, that's ever going to happen anytime soon. So we're just holding on to hope, and we're just, you know, waiting for our husbands to come home and we're hoping one day that we can you know try to just show our children you know just try to give them something that me and i had growing up what happened to the money your your husbands made with with the drugs and the drug trafficking our husbands I mean, their case was you know over the over the duration of their um of the conspiracy it was about two billion dollars and so that money, you know, the government, they see so many loads, they see so much money. You know, our husbands, when they were cooperating, we were in Mexico several months. So our husbands were giving up, you know, constant, you know, the money that was going traveling down to Mexico. They were grabbing all the drugs that were coming up into the U.S. So we're talking about, you know, over a billion dollars just in seizures alone. And ultimately, our husbands, they had to turn in, you know, millions, all their money, millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, this is this is one, you know, we decided that this is what we wanted to do. We had this money, and we felt like, you know what, there's something more important in life. There's, like, a bigger purpose in life than just money. And me and I realized that. And so we all did, and we gave it all up. And now, you know, we struggle just like everybody else. We're trying to make it. We're trying to put our children through a good school. You know, we're just trying to be, you know, great moms, great wives, and great women. I think because of this story, me and I have evolved so much. You know, we're now different women, and it's, you know, the women we are today is because everything that we went through and the struggle and everything that we learned. Have you been in contact with your husband since they've been incarcerated? We do, but because we're now in protective custody, you know, everything is monitored. They have to, you know, actually take us, you know, to visit our husbands. It's not like we can see them all the time. But, yes, we, we of course, you know, this is the reason why we did this, just because we want, you know, to stay close. We have a, a, a bond that's unbreakable. But, you know, it's, it's everything is, you know, nothing's easy for me and I. Everything is a struggle, even just to, you know, be in contact with our husbands. 
but, you know, we're hopeful that in, you know, in the next, you know, three and a half years, they'll be released and we'll be moved somewhere off the radar and we'll be able to have our happily ever after. I, you know, that's what we're hopeful for. Just on a lighter note, Mia Flores and Olivia Flores, they've written a book called Cartel Wives, a true story of deadly decisions, steadfast love, and bringing down Al Chapo. When, when, when you visited your, your husbands, as I said on a lighter note, uh, do they guys give you, uh, do they give you a, um, a room so that you can spend some, some time together, some intimate time together, or no? Yeah, it's, it, yes, we, we stay in the visiting room. Of course, we have, you know, somebody, you know, a guard there watching us. So, you know, we don't get any type of extra special treatment whatsoever. Our husbands are prisoners, and, you know, that, that's, you know, that's what, you know, that's what it is when you go into a facility like that. So, I mean, it's hard, you know. We have to explain to our children now that they're getting older, that their fathers are in prison because they made a mistake. And, you know, we're just trying to teach our children to learn from this. And, of course, they don't know the seriousness of their crime just because I feel like they're too young to understand. And when they get older, we're going to have a lot of explaining to do. But at the end of the day, we try to, you know, be normal. And when we are at the visiting room, I think that we all just block out where we're at and we just try to live in the moment and just enjoy the time that we can't spend with our husbands and children. Mia Flores, Olivia Flores, many, many thanks for your time. Uh, it's a fascinating book. I'm sure it's going to sell. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for having us. We appreciate Mia and Olivia Flores, wives of El Chapo's lieutenants. They are in jail. They gave the U.S. government information. They reckon he, uh, the husbands will be out in about three years. I reckon they're living off the drug money. Hey, yo, check it out. Good Hope FM. Good Hope FM. Co. Now.